You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. One of the things that I always say to my clients is that when you show up differently for your kids, they will show up differently for you. I was looking at a recent study and it states that emotions are not simply concepts that live privately in the mind, but are rather effective states that originate in the individual, but may influence others. Now, we've all felt differently after we've spoken to somebody who was full of love and joy and enthusiasm and excitement, and we may go away feeling happier and more balanced, maybe even like they made your day. And by the way, as a shameless plug, uh, if you want more joy and excitement in your life and you want to be a joy instigator, listen to my podcast on cultivating joy. All right. Now, conversely, on the opposite, we have all had experiences where we've felt lower and down after we've spoken to someone who's kind of a bummer or a downer or is really negative, right? So for today's episode, I want to talk about the stress contagion and how it affects our kids and what we can do about it. Because we know and have, and have studies to prove it that stress is contagious. And what does that mean? Well, it means that our kids are anxious and we don't want that for our kids because that can lead to all other kinds of issues and problems and behaviors. Now, the more parents are stressed, the more their kids will produce high levels of stress hormones. Why? Because when a parent loses control of their emotions or their behavior, they become a factor of unpredictability in their children's lives. Children as young as one year old can show stress responses. Even though they're not conscious of their parents' stress, their brains will show stress responses. And that's a survival system. And it's really important to know that. Now, in the study that I was referencing earlier, researchers actually played in a room with infants while their mothers went to another room to do a task. So for some of the moms, they were sent to do a task that was mildly stressful, and others were sent to do a really pleasant one, not stressful at all. When the mothers returned to the room and were reunited with their baby, it was found that the babies responded differently depending on whether their mothers had gone through a stressful experience or a pleasant one, suggesting that the babies were picking up on their mother's emotions. Now, this information was gathered by measuring the levels of physiological stress in the baby. And they noticed that the transference of emotion was actually stronger if the mothers touched and held their babies. So that's babies picking up on their mom's emotions, but what about the other way around? Do parents pick up on their baby's emotions too? Well, further tests were done by putting little microphones and physiological stress monitors on babies and their parents simultaneously to record how their stress levels co-fluctuated while they were at home. The tests showed that the baby's stress levels showed a spike and the parents' level of physiological stress increased as well. Like, no kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that is, we don't need a test to, to know that, but it's good to know that there's research to back it up. So when responding to your child in a case like this, where your child is stressing you out, you can fall into a couple of different categories in the response 
category. So you can either overreact, you can underreact, or you can do it just right, somewhere in the middle. So let's look at overreaction. Now, some parents can react to the sound of their child crying as an experience and ex it, like have an excessive increase in their own physiological stress. And the more sensitive you are to your child, the more reactive you are with, let's say, panic. And that increases the stress in your child then, right? So your child is the one that started it. You react with stress and then your child is even more stressed. You know what? And that was me. When my first son was born, he cried all the time. I was so stressed. And I know it was my own stress. There was some postpartum depression that I had as well. And I really struggled with that. And I had no idea I was making it worse. So I can definitely relate to the overreaction. Now, the flip side is, is that you might underreact because of your own overwhelm, maybe because of depression or, or something else going on with you, distraction maybe, and that can make it really hard for you to see your child's point of view and respond with empathy. Now, the balance here lies somewhere in the middle where you're able to respond with empathy and not totally lose it, but also not blow it off either because you just can't even right now, right? Now, here's the good news. If we can act just right and react in the middle here, then we can actually reduce the stress in our kids. So that's good news, right? So let's talk about why stress is good because it is normal and it's actually essential. Stress keeps us alive by being the trigger in our nature as humans for the fight or flight response. We have all felt stress at the beginning of a presentation or a competition or even a confrontation, but it's that stress that will give you the extra energy you need to get a job done. But too much stress or stress over a long period of time is bad news for children and youth, and of course for us too. Someone who is often in fight or flight mode forces their body to mobilize too much energy and release hormones like adrenaline and cortisol that can be in excess over time and actually can damage the brain. So when you or your child needs a stress intervention, follow these recommendations by Dr. Sonia Lupien, the director of the Center for Studies on Human Stress. Now, I'm gonna include all of what I'm about to share with you in the show notes so that you have a record of this too and you can look at your own stress in your life. So the first thing that you wanna do is know the signs. The more you're aware of both the physical and emotional signs of stress, the more quickly you can intervene. And stress can manifest itself in different ways. So if any of the following show up for you, you might wanna take a closer look. And what we're gonna do here is we're gonna, we're gonna look at it in the frame of your child. Um, and after all, they are the mirror to you. So if you're stressed, if they're stressed, you are probably stressed too, right? Okay, so some of the things to look for are problem sleeping. This may indicate excessive worry. Uh, changes in behavior. Maybe you have a calm child that now becomes agitated or wild, or even the opposite, vice versa. Get a wild child that all of us, or a, or a, a high needs child, or a you know, um, just a, just a kid that's that's a, a little bit more um, energetic, and they start to withdraw. That's that's a big that's a big red flag. 
a child that has very strong emotional, emotional outbursts. Now, remember, there's always a reason why. We always take that behavior second. We look at what's underneath first. Maybe your child has difficulty learning or has difficulty with memory. And what happens is that when a child is stressed, they have a hard time focusing on and distinguishing on what is relevant and non-relevant. Maybe there's some hyperactive behaviors. Think about fight or flight. That's what that could be. Frequent colds and flus too, which really shows a sign of low immune system due to stress. There could be changes in hunger, appetite, and digestion. And lastly, muscle tension and headaches. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. So now what do you do about it? Well, one of the things that you can do is harness the power of others. Connection is so important. We know we are wired for human connection. So gather a circle of support for yourself or for your child, right? Let's set up opportunities for them to connect with other people, connect with animals. And you know, one of the ways to reduce stress and actually increase happiness is to plan activities to support your child to do things for others. Isn't that a great idea? It's such a win-win. Now, the next is to problem solve. Name the feelings. I'm going to show you name it to tame it in a moment. Next is to identify a trigger in the situation and emphasize the ways that your child can increase the feeling of control. You know, our kids are shown in so many ways, so many times a day, how they have no control over anything really in their lives, right? How they're powerless. So let's give them some control back. That can help them feel less stressed. Next is to release it. Breathe, be active, have some physical movement, play. That helps to release the extra energy that's caused by stressful situations. And so go and play on the monkey bars, play at a park, go run around, go throw a ball around, kick a soccer ball, play tennis, go for a bike ride, go for a walk. That is so important for all of us right? Maybe you listen to or you make music as another idea. And here is one that we all need more of, and that is to laugh. We need to laugh and have fun and be silly. Maybe one of the ways that you release it is with a tickle fight, or you can wrestle or have a pillow fight. Of course, you want to be safe and all of that stuff, but like, let's have some fun. Let's laugh and do something silly. That definitely can diffuse a situation. Now, when your child or even you is stressed, author and psychiatrist, Dr. Dan Siegel talks about a two-step method that you can use to calm down. Remember when I said name it to tame it? Well, this is, this is the description of that. So step one is to connect. Step two is to name it, to tame it. Now, the first thing I need you to do in this process to start the calming down process is to give your child a hug hold them if they will allow it. That's that first step in calming down. 
and then tell them what you notice or ask them what they're feeling. So you can say something like, it looks like you're feeling really worried about that test tomorrow and maybe you're scared because you're not prepared. Is that right? Or you can say, tell me what you're feeling right now. Brain-wise, what's happening here is that the brain is hyperactive, hyperactivated in the middle brain where emotion lives. And what we're doing here is we're getting our left brain to name the feeling. And in Dan Siegel's words, Dr. Dan Siegel's words, it squirts soothing neurotransmitters into the activated amygdala, which is that middle brain, which calms it down. I bet you didn't think I was going to say squirts soothing neurotransmitters. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, don't believe me? Try it. Name it to tame it. First, you calm them down by connecting, and then you name the feeling to tame it. Sounds pretty good, right? Okay, now, just so you know that I didn't make this up, I've added a link of Dr. Dan Siegel explaining this concept in only the way that he can do it. And he's just an amazing guy and a genius in my opinion. Now, I wanna end by reminding you that there are other ways to reduce stress in your world. There are things like mindset, making sure that you're not focusing only on the negative, but also on the things in life that are also true. Taking in moments of joy that you might take for granted or may seem mundane to you. For example, I take a moment every day to look at the sky. I love how it's never the same. I love watching the clouds move if I have a moment to do that. And, you know, I'll say I live in Vancouver, so often the sky is the same color gray and maybe raining down on me, but that's okay. I still can appreciate the sky. Um, and I also take time to fully immerse myself in those hugs with my kids, um, the hugs that I give and the hugs that I get. And I go to bed and I wake up every morning reminding myself of what I'm grateful for, even if it's just my pillow and a warm blanket. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is self-compassion. This is so important. And as Dr. Kristen Neff says, with self-compassion, we give ourselves the same kindness and care we'd give a good friend. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like something that we need more of in our lives? When you have self-compassion, it means that you recognize that the failures and missteps of life are a shared human, a shared human experience. In other words, you're not alone in this. Self-compassion means that you give yourself grace and kindness and empathy. Life is hard. It would be better if the challenges of life just came to us one at a time, but they often come in bundles all at the same time. And oh, that is just so hard. And don't forget the power of saying no. What can you carve out of your life right now? What can you delegate? What do you do that actually isn't that important, that is kind of a time suck or an energy suck? How can you even use technology to help you get things done? And on my final note on this topic, I want you to ask for help if you feel like you need it. If you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed, invite someone or many someones into your life to help you. This means you don't suffer alone. You shed the facade of perfection that so many of us get caught up in. And you not only bless yourself with the help that you need, but you bless the other person 
because how can anyone give if you aren't willing to receive? And don't forget, that was one of the steps that I mentioned earlier is finding a way to help someone else brings you joy, makes you less stressed. So don't be afraid to ask someone for help and invite someone in. You do them a favor as well as yourself. So on that note, I wish you a beautiful day of less stress and more joy and connection. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and peace.